0: Steve Bernardo and Eric Little join me on the latest edition of the podcast to address the question of what role should broadcasters play in the management of their own culture. This discussion comes on the heels of some recent gaffes by Tom Brenneman of the Cincinnati Reds and John Fokey of the Charlotte Hornets, both over the air and on social media. Eric and Steve discuss with me what are the roles and responsibilities of broadcast professionals in this new world where the mic ostensibly is always on. Steve Granato and Eric Little coming up next. We're back again talking with Two extremely talented gentlemen uh, from Cal State Fullerton, our senator from Southern California, Steve Granado, who was the voice of J. Sarah Baseball, most recently of the Wilson-Tobbs uh, Summer Collegiate Baseball League. And then my good friend Eric Little, who has the, the the winning tweet of all time. We met at a at a retreat in San Diego and we texted back and forth and he texted to me, "All I live in almost heaven. But San Diego is really having because you had spent a week uh, following. You follow the Pirates around when they were in Southern California, Eric. Is that what happened? Um, well,
1: I went out early, you know, you know, a week early before the uh, the, the, the conference we were there for because the Pirates were out there. I'm like, you know what? Let's make the vac- Let's make this the vacation week. So I hung out okay. with Petco Park for a couple games, into to the beach, and then actually did a little bit of work.
0: Perfect. Uh, so the reason we're talking, I have a couple broadcasters on with me, is uh, the Tom Brenneman situation that occurred uh, a couple days ago where he dropped a pretty offensive racial slur and is now somewhat in limbo. So the official word from the Reds is he is suspended indefinitely while they look at the situation and... The NFL has pulled them off the coverage of the NFL if we have an NFL season. So I will start with you, Eric, since you're kind of closer to the market where you're you're in Parkersburg, West Virginia. So it's like Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Cincinnati, all kind of converging all at once. Um, what's the thought out there? You were actually watching this as it happened. Take me through what went through your mind.
1: Yeah, I was watching. Uh, I was actually watching the the, the, the Pirates Indians game. And I was thumbing through Twitter, and all of a sudden I see Tom Brenneman is trending, not just on baseball Twitter, but on Twitter Twitter. I'm like, why is Tom Brenneman trending? So, of course, two seconds later, it's like, oh, oh. And, that, that, you know, so all of a sudden I'm like, well, wait a minute. I, I can flip over on the cable system and see the Reds game. So I did that, and there was just such a dark, weird vibe going on. Um, if you're not familiar, the the – comment in question was made in, I believe, the seventh inning of game one of this doubleheader they were playing with Kansas City the other day. And somehow, they let him go on and, and do four innings of game two of the doubleheader. You would think with a doubleheader, all you'd have to do is pull people aside and say, hey, this is what's going on. However, I, it's possible they just didn't know that fast. That it had blown up the way it had. It, it, it's hard to tell. I've heard some people say, and I've not been able to corroborate this, I've heard some say that it didn't actually go out on like Fox Sports Ohio. Like People who were watching like the MLB TV package saw that, but people that were watching over the air on Fox Sports Ohio might not have seen that. Uh, and on top of that, you're probably dealing with people that might not have been home from work yet. So you flip on the TV, and what you'd flip on to find if you flipped over about 7, 7.30 was the most morose baseball broadcast I think I've maybe ever seen. Uh, so the, <laughs> com- the, the commentary was extremely sparse. It was just a heavy vibe in the air of something had happened and, and you couldn't quite figure out what it was unless you knew. And then I was back over to the Pirates game and I saw a tweet that said, the commentary is really sparse this inning. And they, they thought an apology was forthcoming. I flipped it over right as Nick Castellanos, his homer was leaving the ballpark. And just by the tone in Brenneman's voice, he, he knew that something strange had happened. And then I cut back to him and you're just like, holy crap, he's in the middle of his apology right now. And, I think my jaw hit the floor. Um, not not that what he said wasn't a terrible thing, but you still it's still awkward to watch someone's career possibly unravel and their livelihood possibly unravel. Awful as it was, and you know, deserved as it may be, what happens to him it's still a train wreck that you don't want to see play out in real time. So it was just weird and maudlin, and and uh, I, I don't I don't envy anybody that was in that
0: broadcast steve
2: granada where were you how did you find out
0: how quickly did
2: you view the clip uh well like many broadcasters uh in in this state of the world right now i have nothing to do uh so <laughs> i uh was scrolling twitter and, and it popped up on my feed um i, I don't remember who, who retweeted it but i ended up seeing it and uh i guess like a lot of things over the last few years, I'm not surprised by basically anything anymore. Um, so, yeah, that, that that popped up on my feed, and um, you know, I retweeted it and was like, well, I'd love to be the Reds broadcaster. That'd be just fine. Uh, I have no problem moving to Cincinnati. I would gladly take a, a job in the show in 10 seconds. I'll be on my <laughs> way next flight out. Um, but, I mean... Uh, like to your point, Eric, right? Like it—it it is such a weird thing to watch someone's career potentially unfold on the air live, and that is going to go down as one of the most awkward home run calls. Um, that includes every like 15-year-old high school kid who's ever called a home run. Um, uh, but that was the most like. I mean, it's so weird to like be in that situation if you're him, just like from the home run call standpoint, because like your brain is trained to be like, all right, well, I have to call the game. If I'm in the middle of a story, I'm still going to interrupt it for the play by play. So I can see the gears turning in his mind and going, oh, crap, I have to do something right now. Um, so very weird. Um, and I know we're going to get into it here with with the comments themselves. Um I don't know if you want to pose the question first, but I, I can dive in regardless. I mean, yeah, it, it's it's awful, right? And I think it 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 looks into more uh, not just what he said, but the culture around it, right? That that's where I I get hung up more. Yeah, he said something awful. People say things awful all the time. Doesn't excuse it, but that's that's the state of things, right? But what really gets me is why does he feel like he can say that to people in the crew, his broadcast partner, um, you know, you know, forget the hot mic. I don't care about the hot mic. It's, it's the culture around it, because I know if I'm on the air um, and I'm sure, you know, you can you both can attest to this. Uh, if I'm going to say something that I know doesn't want to get out on the air, if I want to drop a, a regular F-bomb uh, or if I want to say anything of that nature to uh, a coworker or whatever, if I'm just talking to somebody normally off the air, I triple check that my mic is off um, if I'm saying something. Uh, but not even just to say something like that, but to think something like that. Again, it goes all back to the culture. I wouldn't even think – I don't care what the context of what he was saying is. I, I, I can't even begin to think – I would think in those regards. So it's just – it's a lot to unpack in that situation and i don't know, you can you could really get more into it i know we could talk for an hour on this
0: Uh, so i'll tell you how i discovered it i was scrolling twitter and i saw amir garrett who's one of the pitchers for the reds who i covered briefly when he was at csun he played basketball he didn't play he was a red shirt for a year before he decided to go the baseball route and amir tweeted something like in support of hey Reds baseball is for everybody. Don't be disheartened. This shouldn't and I didn't know what it was in reference to. Like something happened in the game, or maybe something I thought maybe something happened in Cincinnati. And then a friend of mine sent me the tweet with the with the audio. Um and so to go to your point, Steve, what what was wild was, and we're all public school graduates, so I can make this joke. (laughs) You know, I'm scrolling Twitter and there are all these private school, you know, 23-year-old private school graduates saying it's a hot mic you should always you know you should always be careful of a hot mic okay sure we should always be careful of a hot mic i don't know about you guys i won't speak for you i've said things i probably should have not said on a hot mic at times because of technical difficulties and or whatnot i've managed though to never bomb a homophobic slur in those moments of indiscretion and that's my thought and And I I don't know, Eric, you can speak probably more to Tom Brenneman. I don't know much about him. I know he's the son of Marty Brenneman. I know he's been doing the Reds for close to 15 years now. I know he's an NFL guy. I probably watched him call some NFL games and whatnot. And it's just bizarre how this all unfolded, including his apology, which was the strange thing. So for me, it's, yeah, we all get the hot mic thing. But how about, like, not dropping, you know, homophobic, racist, sexist slurs. It is kind of a fraternity, right? It's it's predominantly it's predominantly male. It's sports guys, you know, getting together and ha ha ha, this, that, and the other. And I'll tell you what, I've worked in some areas that have been kind of frat house attitude, yet still I've never I've never heard stuff like this drop, which is really weird. It's more, you know, you're you're kind of ragging each other a little bit.
1: Lock, locker room talk. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll be honest. To go back to what you were saying about a lot of young people tweeting this, um, I'm also seeing a lot of, well, let this be a lesson to young broadcasters. And for young broadcasters, yes, it's a lesson. But don't also lump the hot mic, or lump Tom Brenneman into the hot mic thing. Tom Brenneman is a 30-year pro. His father's a Hall of Famer after a 50-year career. If there's anyone who doesn't need that lesson or who shouldn't need that lesson, it's Tom Brenneman. So, yeah, we could all get busted with a hot mic, um, but I I find it more arrogant than anything else that it wasn't that he realized he shouldn't say that in front of a hot mic or, or he didn't realize his mic was hot. The problem was that he thought regardless of whether or not he was found out, it was going to be okay. You know, yeah. he, he he knew better he he knew better I mean, but, the, he, but he, Eric did,
2: did he though because like I don't know did you read his his apology on the Cincinnati.com thing because he he wrote something too and,
1: and, and, he, and I'm glad you brought that up because uh, that came out I think this morning so his yesterday was pretty involved if you look at all the things he said he did and, and the people he reached out to and, and the things that he looked up and, and and he really seemed to take a dive a deep dive into immersing himself into this issue why what he said was so offensive because apparently he didn't know um what he should have known better is the hot mic thing that part yeah he definitely should have known better but as far as from an education piece i i think he's almost playing himself off as some kind of a rube in in that instance maybe not realizing the severity of what he said but either way it he definitely needs he, he definitely knows that that mic you know is potentially on and you've got to treat it like it's hot time. and he may or may not have known the severity of what he said uh th- that that part's true but at the same time i feel like he felt no matter what he said he was going to be able to talk his way out of it and i think he found out the wrong way but that's not the case in this instance
2: sure i, I just don't know how how you can li- live in this world right now and think that word is okay like I, I mean i learned that when i was like 14 not to say that i mean obviously different you know growing up in different areas different spots whatever blah 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 blah. but still like saying that word like i i don't even remember the last time i said that well to, like, go, back to,
1: well, well, to go back to what you were saying um there was something that preceded that what was the yeah
2: what was the conversation yeah
1: before that If the con, I mean, so he's he's taking the fall for this because he's the one who was caught on a hot mic. But the deeper dive here is there's a culture that allowed that to happen in a workplace where someone is where people are paid to work, and and, you know there may be people in and out of there that are of the LGBTQ community. He 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 doesn't know that he doesn't know that, that that the person who hands him his coffee, the person that you know checks his makeup the person that uh, does the sound the person that's his booth producer you you know the stage manager he doesn't know any of that i mean mean, you don't know Uh, you think you know sometimes but you don't know so
2: i mean like if that had happened at like a walmart checkout counter you know like (laughs) then that 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 the the cashier would be fired for that i be like no you can't say that what are you doing
1: right right so no you know while it's a problem that he said it it's a problem that it got out of a hot mic, but it's a bigger problem that it was said in the first place, and the problem roots even wider into that workplace. It's kind of like a pimple. We just saw the head, but the real problem is below yeah. the skin.
0: That's perfect. Yeah, that's a perfect way to think of it. What increasingly makes it problematic is the stature of the guy that made the statement. That That's really bothersome. And, you know, it goes to. You know, you catch your wife husband whatever you know you catch them in an affair, and they're like oh it doesn't know it wasn't it's not what it looks like so h- how many other times yeah. have we has this you know gone by and I, I just remember I, I, there's a, one of my favorite novels ever is The Godfather and there's a you know the movie tells it well but in the in the book there's such a great line at the end of the movie at the end of the story when Tessio, the longtime, cons- the longtime captain of Vito Corleone, tries to betray the son Michael, but Michael's a step ahead of him, and he figures it out, and they're going to take him for a ride. And you know, in the movie, it's a great scene. You know, Abe Vigoda says to Tom Hagen, hey, can you get me off the hook for old time's sake? But in the novel, you're in Michael Corleone's head, and it's like this guy was going to have you set up to be killed, but he feels bad. Because he didn't view it as this guy wanted to be dead. He's like, this guy made it. The exact line Puzo says is something like, "Michael was 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 felt sorry. He said it was a shame that Tessio made an error like this so late in life. Meaning that, you know, this guy should have just gone off into the sunset and been celebrated as being a loyal captain to his father. Yet he kind of tried to do a little too much, and now he's going to go for a ride with Fausto Garacci and you know, uh, and Tom Hagen. Equating it to 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 Brenneman is like, man, he was a made man in Cincinnati. You know, he was he 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 came coming from uh, a lineage where his dad's as, as Eric already mentioned is a Hall of Famer, and the Reds finally maybe turning it around and being pretty good. I can say this because a couple of guys I covered are involved with the Reds now. Amir is obviously on the on the uh, the roster, and Ryan Lilly from UC Riverside is in their farm system. And so this is going to be kind of some salad days for Cincinnati. And I know it pales in comparison to the larger issue, but now it puts a whole damper on an already kind of weird baseball season yeah. uh, here in, in 2020 with the pandemic. And it's like I, I don't want to sit here and, and, you know, this, this be a 20-minute session of let's pound uh, Tom Brennan. And that's not what this is about. Uh, a lesson I learned, for example, is it kind of exposed me to a little bit of my own hypocrisy because I was reading about it. And I love Ozzie Gian. I've loved Ozzie Gian since he was a player. Like when I was a kid and he played for the White Sox and he was crazy and he was like the Venezuelan Billy Martin and whatnot. And I didn't realize Jay Mariotti wrote a column where he used, you know, Ozzy used the same slur towards Jay. Yeah. Uh, and
2: then kind of. Remember Kobe did too, remember?
0: Ozzie Gian wrote it off as, ah, you know, I obviously. I didn't mean, you know, what the word means. I was kind of just saying that what the point he brought up was lame.
1: It's a Michael Scott joke almost. Isn't there an episode of The Office where Michael Scott says, "You don't call your friends this. You call your friends something when they're doing stupid stuff." And I think it's the R word he uses. Yeah, 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 yeah,
0: um, yeah, yeah. That was yeah. That was exactly the rationale that Ozzy used, and. Yeah. You know what? That's 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 not that's not acceptable. That's wrong. And if he's doing games and a guy doing games is using that, he probably shouldn't be doing games in twenty twenty. And I know there's a lot of people gonna listen to this and be like, oh, you guys have fallen, you know, to the cancel, the cult cancel circle, culture, blah blah blah. But you gotta remember something. And before I was a broadcaster, I was in various businesses, you know. I worked for a real estate company, I worked for restaurants, I worked for health insurance companies. When you're a billion dollar industry, this is very important. In a capitalist society, you want everyone buying your product. You know, yeah. and I think this is—we had this thing with the Wash with the Washington Football Team a couple of uh, weeks ago. People don't understand that when you're trying to sell a multi-billion-dollar global brand, these kind of things don't work anymore. And and, yeah. and that that and that's the point to me is that Major League Baseball, in particular, they want to be an international brand. And I, I didn't make the rule; you can't have it. You, you, yeah. you shouldn't have it anyway. But if right. you want to look at it purely from a cynical eyes if you want to be a multinational global
2: corporation, that is, um, that's going to be unacceptable on so many different levels. Well, I think if you want to scope it into the Reds themselves, right, they have been uh, one of the, uh, uh, well, let, let's start with Major League Baseball. Major League Baseball on social issues has been crap. Like, let's just straight up say it, right? They, they were late on the Black Lives Matter movement. They've been late on LGBTQ+, plus all that, right? They've not, been the forefront leaders as far as american sports are concerned
0: which is sad because at one point they were at the forefront of all i mean yes. you know going back in the 40s and 50s they were well ahead of of a lot of a lot of other leagues so well,
2: they, they there's there's a history of it right in 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 major league baseball of uh, elite yeah you talk about jackie and that's a whole another discussion so we, we won't get in, into that but they it kind of it kind of puts a damper too on how much progress is being made right you think okay this year most teams uh, in major league baseball we're going to have their first pride nights right and the angels were going to have their first pride night i know the reds last year i I believe had their first pride night so like those things are super important and then you talk about like the the economics of it too if you even want to get into that yeah more people to sell products to like if you just want to be like a total capitalist about it then sure you could totally look at it in that scope but the the progress that's been made gets hindered by things like this and like it goes all to the culture of not just the reds or the reds broadcast but it goes into major league baseball it goes into professional sports it goes into sports all around like when it's a boys club when it's your fraternity like you had mentioned these are the kind of things that get tossed around and people don't speak up and say something about it which is this is a good reminder for for eric you me like this is a good reminder for us. Like, if something like that happens, whether it be racist, sexist, uh, you know, whatever, that's when we, like, we have a voice where we have to say something about it. Like we're saying right now, it's like, no, this is our industry. We are not going to tolerate things like this. You can call it cancel culture. You can do it, whatever you want, but. That has no place in today's game. That has no place in where I want to be working, where I am working. and if you know if i'm if I'm the Reds right now, and yeah, maybe it hurts and maybe it sucks and it's gonna piss some people off. but you gotta cut them loose. You gotta cut them loose.
1: Eric, yeah to go back to what you were saying about you know baseball and social issues, We forget that you know less than twenty five years ago, they retired the number forty two across the major leagues. And and in a lot of regards, that extended down to the minor leagues. I'm not sure if they all have, but many minor league teams have the number 42 commemorated in their ballpark somewhere. Uh, and, And it was such a big deal when they did it in 1997 president clinton was there at shea stadium they did a they they did a a game between the mets and the dodgers it was nationally televised they had a big ceremony before the game with the president on hand so 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 they really tried to make an effort there and they had the civil rights game in memphis for a few years but but you're right the sport's fallen off um but something we hear about a lot in broadcasting was representing the brand and you hear that a lot in, in terms of colleges especially that's where we always seem to hear that like when you're working for a college you're representing that university and that institution well when you're broadcasting and really this is particularly true of major league baseball the nba and the nhl these sports that are on regional television networks when you're the broadcaster for that team on a regional television network a uh, hundred sometimes a year people are seeing your face and they're listening to you you are their 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 doors or their uh, conduit uh to that team you know for for Millions of Reds fans. Tom Brennerman is the guy that for years they've been able to get the Reds from, and you know why they trust him? Because they got the Reds from his father for a long time. Uh, I mean, and, and not that Tom has. You know, Tom's career had a lot of merit. He he started in Cincinnati and then made a name for himself on WGN. Uh, he was doing the middle three for Harry Carey for a while. Then he went to Arizona when they were an expansion franchise, and and was the voice for the Diamondbacks for a long time. Then the chance came back. To go to Cincinnati, or a chance came up to go to Cincinnati, work with his father, and he did that. So, uh, so, so clearly he's he, he was right where he wanted to be, and he had those Cincinnati roots, and he should have had every reason to understand the importance of the Reds brand and his importance as an ambassador of that brand. That's what makes it all the more horrifying because uh, for somebody that for for every possible reason should have known that 100% of the time you are on. Uh, during during your waking hours, like your your actions have to represent, uh, and he even included him in his apology. So he knew enough to include in his apology the Reds and Fox Sports Ohio. But you are that front facing person. You, you've got to be on at every Reds caravan, every time you're in the ballpark somewhere, every time you're at the mall, the grocery store, uh, and most definitely when you're on the air, uh, or anywhere near the airwaves. So um, he had everything to lose in this, and and just may very well lose everything Uh, we've got to get back to that idea of that person as that ambassador uh, because we use it a lot in college sports but we need to think of it in pro sports too
0: you make a great point and and, and to that point is it fair to everybody you know obviously at a high level a guy like tom brendan who's representing a big league franchise but somebody like yourself somebody like myself somebody like steve you know whoever we're representing, is it fair to have that on you? I, I'll bring up about three, four days ago the uh, the broadcaster for the Charlotte uh, NBA franchise, uh, John Fokey, had an unfortunate tweet that he tweeted during uh, a, uh, a playoff game, game. Right? not yet, not involving his team, where he supposedly, you know, auto corrected to a racial slur. That's a whole other debate. We can get into that later, but. Um, it wasn't even a, a, a game of a team that he represented, but because of his stature as an NBA play by play guy, there's a mirror shined or a light shined on that now you know Steve being the young guy where I don't want to pick on you, but you know you mentioned you know hey you cut you come up with the whole social media thing you know since you're you're in you know high school and, and junior high and whatnot, and so you're pretty well schooled on you know hey what goes and what doesn't go i I get uncomfortable sometimes when I had this discussion with many other broadcasters because we didn't, guys like us who didn't have social media coming up in college or high school or whatever, where now it's almost a sport to go back and scrub. It's like, you know, let's go to Steve Granato's social media when he was 14 and, and what was he doing? Um, short of that, is it fair to have that? You know, they tell you whatever you put out. Um, is going to be judged now, whether you're tweeting about sports or not, you know, whether you're tweeting about what you're making for dinner. Um, is that fair across the board, uh, particularly for guys, maybe who are not, you know, we're not at the major league level
2: yet. As long as I could remember from 12, 13, 14, getting into high school, I didn't get my first cell phone until I was like a late freshman in high school. So I was a pretty late bloomer as far as my era. Uh, a lot of guys were getting it seventh, eighth grade. Um, so it took me a few years. Uh, Twitter is what two thousand seven, somewhere around there. Oh seven, oh eight. Yeah, and then I, I hopped on. I think oh nine. Um, from the second, I mean, MySpace. Like <laughs> from yeah. the second we got online, it was pounded into our heads. I mean, every turn it seemed like was going oh careful what you say online oh careful what you do oh careful what you post you don't want that to come back so like yes to your point it has been ingrained into our brains uh like like it's learning how to walk you know but that's how how much it's in our brains at least for anybody a millennial and 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 further um to your point is it fair I think it's it's not a black and white issue. I think it's tough to 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 go ahead and just go straight up. All right, you're out. You're in, or you know whatever it is. I think it's a case by case. Um, you know, in the case of the of of the that Nuggets game, you can kind of understand where that autocorrect came from. You can see it right there in the word, right? <laughs> like plain right. and simple. Um, yep. So whatever. I mean, I I don't I don't. Here's the thing. I I don't know how to feel about that. Right. It's right. It, I don't know. It's weird. And I think that's uh, kind of gets more to the root of it. It's like, I mean, we don't know. We're all kind of figuring this out um, together. And um, there's there's the the place right where you take it case by case and, and you go, here's where it's correct. And here's where it's wrong. And here's where I can understand when it's that needs more context. So in the case of Brenneman there's a lot to unpack there, right? That's not a black and white. That is not a, that is not a straight up typo. That is, he knew what he was saying. And in, in, in 2020, I think it's pretty hard to argue that, Oh, I didn't know. That's my stance. Um, uh, uh, in that case, in the nuggets case, you can go, uh, I mean, I can kind of understand where that happens, man. That's, I mean, there's a lot that has to go wrong and that sucks that that happened in your Twitter account, but it happened so you know to go back to your economics point you're representing us and you're representing this team i don't know maybe a suspension whatever the case may be but i mean i think it's kind of naive of us to go to these 30 plus 35 40 56 year old men that they can't be held accountable for things that they say i mean come on like yeah. these these guys know better they should know better and if they don't they need to figure it out quick because it's coming up on you real fast, and if you don't change, then the industry's changing right in front of you, and you're going to be out. So, I mean, that's the nature of the beast there.
0: Yeah, I mean, to me, that's the one fallacy in the the rant against cancel culture is that, you know, like the people who are quote unquote canceled. I mean, are they really canceled, right? Um, and it just seems like the more powerful somebody is, the more they're able to navigate around that perception that oh, you can say one thing and have your career have your career dinged. Um, what's Eric? What's been your experience with it? You're pretty active on social media. You will venture outside the kind of stay stick with sports, you know, mantra. You're you're kind of spray into all fields. Have, have you have you ever experienced any problems or scrutiny with it?
1: I've had some people from time to time be critical of, of my role in it and that's because my job is multifaceted uh, I, I report news on our morning show I, I co-host a general interest morning show um, I, I cover high school sports and college sports in this area uh, so sometimes my tweets are about what I'm covering sometimes my tweets are about something that's going on in the world sometimes it's a random thought I had or, or, or something like that um, i As a morning show personality, I think that that Twitter voice should be something or someone or should represent someone uh, very similar to what you'd see on the air or what you'd hear on the air in that case. So uh, that's kind of where I come from on that. But from time to time, I've had people that that would say, hey, that's not very journalistic of you. They'd message me in private. And that's where it gets difficult. When are you wearing what hat? Who gets to be irreverent? and say the irreverent things. What audience are you pandering toward? Are you pandering toward the audience that listens to the 60-second newscast you do a couple times a day? Are you pandering to the audience that listens to you do 60 to 70 play-by-play games a year? Are you pandering to the audience that listens to you five days a week on the way to work in their cars? Uh, And and those are all tough audiences to try to serve. And that's kind of my philosophy on it from from my personal end. Um, But I think that there's not a one-size-fits-all answer, unfortunately. Uh, there are some people that, that, that seem to be able to be more irreverent, uh, and we're in an era now where play-by-play broadcasters are being told to show your personality on Twitter. You're, you're told to, to do that on social media, and, and we're being pulled a few different ways and stretched a few different ways and expected to act in a few different ways that, that are not always in, 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 going the same direction. And that's where it gets difficult.
0: You know, my my thought is, I I go back to um, it's a podcast I listened to maybe about ten or twelve years ago, and it was a screenwriter named John August talks about people presenting, you know, idea. Is it? it, And this is about the film business. Well, is it okay to talk out of turn? Right, meaning that you're in a closed door meeting. How? Are you is it cool to share information within that meeting was the question po- poised to him, you know, like trade secrets, so to speak. And he had a great point Then I've really I've always stuck to this regarding my own social media presences. He said, you know, um, anything that you present in good faith should be OK. Right. It's like, um, you know, with, with politics, this gets really dicey in that. There's some people that will only present things simply to demonstrate that it adheres to one or another philosophy, right? Or, you know, one kind of political bent. But I think most people are a little bit more multifaceted than that. And to me, you know, we have this whole kind of, I think it's kind of a manufactured conflict of, you know, people don't want to talk to people who don't agree with them. And I think that's, that's completely off base. But what I do believe is I'm more upset with somebody if somebody I agree with would present something that's not in good faith, that would almost upset me more than somebody who I disagree with presenting something. And so my rule is, everything I present is me. It's in good faith, you know, warts and all. But the other point I'll make is I follow about a thousand people on Twitter, you know, and about probably 30 percent of those are athletes and coaches I cover. And this goes to Steve's point about, you know, young people kind of getting the brunt of this. And so it's like that's maybe three hundred people, hundred and fifty athletes, hundred and fifty coaches. And I'll tell you this, I've seen way more problematic tweets from the coaches and the teachers, oh, yeah. a lot of the that I cover in high school than I've ever had from the players. You know. Oh yeah. Big the time. The, the, big, the biggest complaint I have about the uh, the younger the athletes is, you know, I question some of their their taste in music. But aside from that, they're Authentic, they're coming from the heart in good faith. They're not presenting an agenda. It's this is what I'm feeling right now. I, I can deal with that, I can accept that. But if you're kind of, you know, we're, we're dealing with it firsthand with the situation right now, is it's perfectly okay not to chime in on something. And it's perfectly okay to say, I don't know, which I think people don't do enough. I don't yeah. know how either of you feel
2: yeah no i to your point of like having coaches players whatever the case may be um yeah i mean some some of their feeds when they're not in the public eye like that i mean some of them are like whoa i covered you uh that's what you were thinking when i was talking to you yeah there's there's certainly a lot of that but i think that goes more to the the culture of of just sports in this country in general right um just kind of that macho kind of vibe or that frat vibe that kind of stuff uh it's fewer and far between than it was. Sure, it's gotten better, um, but it's not like it's eradicated at this point. Um, but, yeah, that, that's kind of I, I, – I've definitely had that same experience that you have.
1: That actually became an issue in this state. I'm not sure how much national play this story got during the pandemic, but uh, about a month, month and a half ago, WVU fired their defensive coordinator uh, because of a player-driven complaint. Uh, A a sophomore safety who who started as a freshman uh, brought forth a complaint about the culture that this defensive coordinator would have in meetings. Uh, There was was a teammate of his that was hispanic who was hearing hispanic slurs there was another teammate that had converted to the muslim faith and he would spend portions of the meeting trying to convert him back to his side of things there were uh, build the wall comments there were you know, a lot of other comments and meetings and in practice during drills this defensive coordinator was was throwing or not, not throwing i guess trying to rub his personal views maybe into the views of his players and uh, i think that's part of the culture we are now uh, we're, we're at a place where, unfortunately, it seems like if I disagree with you, we can't be friends. And I don't like where we're going with that. Uh, for one, um, I think it's important to have friends that have different views, and and, and you know when you, you know where you're right, you know, or, or, or you know where you agree, you know where you disagree, and then you know where there's a middle ground, you know, where we can come together. But at the same time, it, it, if you know that others have different views, you have gotta maybe and you're in a public position like that, put those in your pocket in a way that, that don't threaten the people that are around you. Don't weaponize your views in certain settings. So um, the player brought the complaint forward to to his head coach, which is what he was supposed to do. He went through the proper channels that Hey, I don't like being around my position coach, and here's why. Here's the problem I have with my position coach. I don't feel safe around this guy. I feel threatened around this guy. And it was it was. In June, it was right around the height of, of, of Black Lives Matter, and WVU took an internal look at it, and they fired the guy. So uh, it, it just goes to show if you have certain views and you're strong about those views, uh, we all need to maybe be more understanding of people, but at the same time, don't try to glom our opinions on others and just assume that that's going to be okay, that's going to be well-received.
0: What was the reaction in, in around Morgantown for that, Eric?
1: A lot of people, uh, a a lot of people, and I think this might have been an age split throughout the state. Uh, A lot of people, I think, supported the player. Um, There are others, and I think this is also an age thing too, uh, that were not supportive of the player, especially after he opted out of this season because of uh, some of his underlying health issues. So speaks out, gets the defensive coordinator fired, and then opts out of the season. That didn't go well with a lot of older people, and that's the that's the crowd that you know grew up in the era of that rub some dirt on it, and um, so, so on and so forth. You, know, you just just kind of stuff those feelings down below and, and deal with it and get through it. Uh, that's not the way we are anymore. Um, we. we are a culture that wants to know why, wants to understand why, and and we don't want someone to glom their opinions on us and to try to, to force that on us. So it was it was split. Um, I think there are probably some WVU fans that aren't going to back this player, and there are some that I think will back him more because of the fact that he was willing to stand up for what he believed in. Uh, but it, but it's interesting though t- to see um, t- to see that individual use the power and be empowered. About what's going on in the world like, this is a, he's a true sophomore he's 19 years old uh young man of color from the charleston west virginia area and you know there were a lot of people i mean myself included that couldn't have been prouder of the fact that he felt empowered enough uh, in a power five conference school to to buck that defensive coordinator and, and no, knowing what was on the line knowing that it was possibly his job on the line but he did it because he felt it was right. He used his voice in the appropriate manners. So um, I, I think that's uh, that's something that we need to embrace. When people use their voice to point out wrong, uh, we need to listen to them.
0: Steve Granado, I mean, in the, here in the People's Republic of California, from about Jamboree Road on the 405 to Calabasas, you're just another guy. But going out to cover the Wilson-Tobbs, going out to cover the power in West Virginia – did you feel you were viewed or treated any differently or was it hey you're just one of the guys part of the team?
2: Yeah, uh I mean I've talked about this uh before about being, you know, a Latin American, Mexican American uh broadcaster and you know in 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 a culture of uh, a white male dominated industry. Um yeah, you 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 experience things like that—offhand comments, uh, looks, and you know, cutesy jokes that are made, you know, all in good fun. But at the same time, all right, bro, you shouldn't be saying something like that. Um, yeah, that happens. That absolutely happens. Um, I mean, I think that's probably built a tough, tough, tougher skin for me. Um, should I have gone through things like that? No, absolutely not. And, and none of us should, um, but we do. Um, and I think it's uh, it's it's a tough. Uh, beam to balance on uh when do you call somebody out and when do you let it slide uh should we ever let it slide probably not but we do right cuz cuz like it goes all back to it right nothing's black and white none of this is straight up yes no right a lot of this yeah. is like well i don't want to piss him off because he might have a job one day and he might be leaving and you know things like that um so you let things slide so it, it to to kind of bring it all back around it's i've said it a few times but it's a culture thing in sports, it's a culture thing. In sports broadcasting um, and, and the coverage of the game and then, then on the field, on the court, whatever it is, um, some sports are more tolerant than others. Some are less tolerant. Um, it's a it's a varying spectrum. I've dealt with it. I will continue to deal with it, and I know you will. I will. Um, it, it's something that, unfortunately, is not going away tomorrow. Um so I think the, the, the thing to do if you're trying to find the answer to Brenneman, to the the Charlotte broadcaster, to Mike Mulberry in the NHL, if you're trying to find the answer to any of these things, it's you're not going to find one. But what you can do is listen, learn, try not to push back immediately when someone gets quote-unquote canceled or fired or whatever and go, oh, no, he's just gone because – no, no. Listen to what's actually being talked about. Why are we talking about this for an hour, right? Because there's, right, it's important. Right. This is important stuff. And we want sports, right, to be inclusive for everybody because it's awesome. We love sports. It's our whole reason for living. Yeah. Uh, it's everything we love in the world. And we just want it to be at a perfect place. And we want more people to feel what we feel every time we get to call a game, watch a game, or be a part of it.
0: And and I haven't been as ensconced in this as maybe some other people, but the reaction has been interesting to me from the Brenneman situation in that there are not a lot of people who are justifying what he said. The the people who are – Advocating on his behalf are like, hey, we need to look at his 30-year body of work as opposed to one off comment he made on a on a hot on a on a uh, on a hot mic. So that, that that has changed a little bit. There has been more of a dialogue um, and I have seen a lot of people from the you know the LGBT community coming out and saying, Hey, I'm a baseball fan. I want to go to games, I'm a Reds fan, and this is why it's important for you to hear uh, and just kind of more giving an explanation, you know, again, in good faith, from the heart, hey. I love listening to Tom Brenneman on games. I want to go to Reds games when we can go to games again. So I think that's an important part of it too. But Eric, I'll toss it to you and thank both of you guys for the time. I asked you for 20 minutes and we've gotten over 40. But um, what can, what's something that we can actively do moving forward to kind of improve the, the situations around us?
1: Well, like it was said just a few minutes ago, uh, and listen, um, and, and that's something that's in all too short a supply Uh, It it, it grinds my gears so much when there's an issue brought forth and there's a knee-jerk reaction against it. Um, You know, instead of, you know, they they shouldn't be rioting and they shouldn't be looting. Well, why are they driven to do that? What made them so mad to where they wanted to do that? And it can be any group of people, but, you know, that's one that you hear a lot. Why, Why are we tearing up things? Why are they burning their own city? No. Why do you ask them what it is that drove them to that point? Why are they so mad, so infuriated that that's the only recourse they feel they have? Uh, and, and you could use, you could apply any party to that, or any group of individuals, and in any form of protest to that. You, you use Colin Kaepernick. The the anger over Colin Kaepernick was, you know, why why is he why is he taking a knee? That's disrespectful. Well, why don't you ask why don't you ask yourself what it is he's trying to say? And, and that a little bit is actually. Coming to light, you are starting to hear that people are starting to kind of warm up to that, but not nearly as quickly as need to be. But for all these situations, we need to understand this: not every situation is a one-size-fits-all. Um, some people, unfortunately, are, you know, and I'm not saying this is how it should be, but this is how it is. There are those that are rich enough, powerful enough, smart enough to, to outwild themselves, and they get away with more. Uh, some people have more chances. But I think in all of these cancel culture kind of situations. The decision is ultimately going to be made by the individuals that know them the best. Uh, there are a lot of folks in Cincinnati, a lot of folks in the Reds organization and in Major League Baseball that know Tom Brenneman. Uh, he, he knows some powerful people. I mean, if, if Joe Buck would, 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 would have come up, if, if he would have fallen off a bike like Simon Cowell and you know, had to miss the World Series, Brenneman gets that phone call last year. And probably every other year for the last fifteen years, he used to do the other the other league championship series on Fox. So, so he's pretty high up. He was doing games with Aikman when Buck would go do the World Series. So, you know, the, there are a lot of people that know him well. And ultimately, a decision like that is going to be made by people that know him well, and that are like, okay, where is this, where is this incident in the grain of uh, of him as a person, as, as an individual? But I will say this the where we are today the the barriers between institutions and regular people are so blurred now social media we have we have voices to go to these institutions and if enough people are mad that's you know all that stuff that i said about you know where does that stand in terms of his record of last 30 years that's all out the window if enough people are mad and and I think it's a a, a mixture of both of those things, but more and more, the people are starting to have a voice in the discussion and a say at the table in these situations, and we need to be more and more careful uh, ourselves um, to to eliminate poisonous lines of thought, eliminate loose words. We need to be careful with their words and um, just be better people moving forward in general.
0: Uh, Steve Granado, what are what are some solutions? What should we look for within ourselves going forward to make sure this type of thing doesn't happen again?
2: Uh, I will go ahead and preface and say that, you know, I never have all the answers and I'll, I'll never know the correct course of action 100 percent and and what needs to be done. Um, but with that said, it, it kind of goes back to, to what I was saying earlier. It's, it's, it's listening, but it's also calling it out. Um, example. Uh, even this past summer, I won't go into names or anything out of respect to the individuals, but, you know, I had to deal with, uh, you know, with some gross sexist comments that were made, uh, to some staff and, and, you know, I'm, I'm very happy that I was able to step up in those situations and make sure that the, the correct avenues, uh, were followed and, and that the situation was dealt with. Um, so things like that, right. Where we know it's uh, the onus is on us, right? The onus is on. Whoever the the color guy is in in Cincinnati, I, I honestly have never listened to Tom Brenneman. Uh, I've never been a Reds fan, so I've never never listened. Um, not a football guy, so never never heard any football of his. So I'm coming at this totally dry. I Don't know who this dude is really, um, but it's you know when when we see something in this industry, when we see something, it's time for us to say something, right? It's time for us to call things out. It's it's it, the the era of I didn't know is falling quickly and in a world where all the information in the history of our, of our, of humankind is at our fingertips. It's kind of weird to not know something at least as blatantly obvious as don't say that word, dude, Like, <laughs> don't say that. What are you talking about? Um, why would you ever say that? Um, So I think that's just kind of more what it goes into, right? It's it's on us, right? Like, Who's going to police it? Us. We have to be the ones that call it out and not allow a culture to build and where people think it's okay for things like that to happen, think it's okay to say sexist, racist, homophobic, anything, right? None of that is, it's never never okay in my booth. That's all I know. It's never okay in my booth. And if someone says something like that, I'm going to call it up right then and there. I'm going to tell you right now, if you're going to say things like that, and get out of my booth, because I'm not going to stand for that. And I think we all need to be in that same mind, of, uh, thought of mind.
0: Eric Little, Steve Granado, thank you guys for your time. Really appreciate it. Well spoken, well said, and hopefully we can move on. Hopefully I'll get to listen to both you guys do events again sometime soon. Fingers uh, crossed. Once we're able to, <laughs> to handle stuff. Hey, you—you you have high school football, right, Eric, in in out West Virginia? Are you guys—are you guys starting on time?
1: Uh, it, it's the, del- the, the preseason is del- was delayed two weeks. They, they condensed the schedule. We used to have 10 games in 11 weeks. Now it's 10 in 10 weeks. So the regular season, we delayed one week. The, the opening of practice was delayed two. Uh, it just opened on Monday and, uh, September 4th is my first game. Uh, but it's, uh, it's 10 in 10 weeks now. We'll see what happens. Uh, I know there's a lot of folks across the country that, that wonder why and how, but, uh, we're a fairly rural state that has not had a lot of hot spots, and uh, we, we have a governor that's done a fairly good job of managing things. Um, there's still daily briefings here, and people are still told to, to socially distance and do their best. Uh, having gone out and covered a lot of high schools this week, uh, there are some schools that are taking that seriously. There are some schools where it, it looks like business is normal, unfortunately, and, and we'll see. Uh, but, but given the numbers here, uh, and and I can't speak. Uh, and this is another situation where it, it's different wherever you go. Um, given the numbers here, I, I think uh, it's the right call to at least try to to let these kids have a season. And 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 it may not be at the end of the day. You know, we, we, the numbers may shift back in the other direction. Who knows? But uh, yeah, as far as we know, fingers crossed.
0: Well, hey, I'll at least I'll be able to tune in on, on September 4th, so we'll at least be able to check you out. Um, but anyway, both of you, thank you very much and we appreciate it, and uh, hopefully we can move this forward, move kind of the whole conversation forward uh, from here. Steve Granato and Eric Little joining me on this edition of the podcast.